0: So for the past few weeks, we've been talking about deliverance. And I truly believe that many times, just as in this story, the people of God need to be delivered. Because how many knows before the world around us can be delivered, the people of God have to be delivered first. Amen? We have to be willing to admit our need sometimes for uh, deliverance. And I shared with you how that a pastor whose ministry I follow uh, in Oklahoma said something several weeks before uh, Angie and my family uh, and I came down with COVID. Several weeks before I was listening to him uh, in my devotion time and he made a statement that I shared with you about the load in the day and time that we're living. The load has just become too heavy and he equated that to the children of Israel and the load that they carry. And so um, I began studying and Uh, Forming these messages on deliverance. And so today I want to start just by talking about that a little bit. When I say the load had become too heavy for the children of Israel. You have to remember they had gone through 430 years of harsh slavery. 430 years of no freedom. 430 years of being treated as less than. And finally, the people have had all they can take, and their desire for rescue has culminated into a desperate cry to God for deliverance. And the people of God in this story once again cry out to God for help. And we find the cry for help recorded in Exodus chapter 2. I didn't put this passage on the screen because it was our main text from the first message, but I want to read it to you. Again, in Exodus chapter 2, verses 23 through 25, the word said this. Years had passed, and the king of Egypt had died. But the Israelites continued to groan under their burden of slavery. They cried out for help, and the Bible said their cry rose up to God. That's what the word said. And God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant promise with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he looked down on the people of Israel, and the Bible said that he knew that it was time for him to act. And then in chapter 3, we talked about last week how God responds to those in need of deliverance by sending a deliverer. But we also talked last week about how sometimes the difficulty that we have, just like the Israelites had, in recognizing that deliverer. their lack of revelation, realizing who their deliverer was in Moses, almost cost them their release. And the Israelites teach us something there. And that is that sometimes our personal preferences can keep us in prison. Right. And so Moses, in our message today, Moses is on a mission. Everybody knows the passage. I'm not going to read it. I'm actually going to read it. Post This passage after Moses has stood before Pharaoh and he's made this great demand and he has said, as everybody knows and you can probably quote it, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go. And so Moses makes this demand. And here is where the story gets interesting. If you will stand with me all over the room for the reading of the word today. Let's read together what happens when Moses makes this demand. In the book of Exodus chapter 5. We're reading verses 4 through 13 out of the New Living Translation. Pharaoh replied, Moses and Aaron, why are you distracting the people from their task? Get back to work. Look, there are many of your people in the land and you are stopping them from their work. And that same day, Pharaoh sent this order to the Egyptian slave drivers and the Israelite former. Do not supply any more straw for making bricks. Make the people get it themselves. But still require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They're lazy. That's why they're crying out. Let us go and offer sacrifices to our God. He said load them down with more work. Anybody ever feel like the enemy? Just load you down with more and more. Make them sweat. That will teach them to listen. To the lies, isn't that the way the enemy likes to work? Do you really, do you really believe that God will do what He said He would do? The serpent said to Eve in the garden. Do you really believe that God said you could not eat of the fruit of that tree? Pharaoh says, he says that'll teach him to listen to the lies. So the slave drivers and the foreman went out and told the people, "This is what Pharaoh says." I'm not going to provide any more straw for you. Go get it yourselves. Find it wherever you can. But you must produce just as many bricks as before. The Bible said so the people scattered throughout the land of Egypt in search of stubble to use as straw. And meanwhile, the Egyptian slave drivers just continued to push hard. Meet your daily quota of bricks just as you did when we provided you with straw. They demanded. Today I want to preach to you for a few moments, part three the Deliverance Sermon Series. And today we're going to talk about, you may not understand the title for this passage, but you will with the next passage. Today we're going to talk about an important element of deliverance, and that is your spiritual diet. If you will, pray with me and for me. Father, we thank you for your word today. I need your anointing, Lord, to preach your word. I, I don't preach today, God, because I'm qualified. I preach because I'm called. And so, Lord, I ask you today to give me the anointing that makes preaching effective. I ask you, Lord, to anoint every ear to hear and every heart to receive what you are speaking to your people today. And, God, I ask you that I wouldn't speak any of my words, but, God, just your words. And let your word come forth today, not with the enticing words of men's wisdom, but let it come forth today in the demonstration of your spirit and with power. God, touch hearts. Change lives. Get our attention today. We give you the glory, the honor, the praise, and the in praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So in this passage, we read and we discover. Pharaoh was really saying, as he's shouting out to Moses and Aaron. Who do you think you are? You're distracting all these people from their work. Get back to your jobs. And it was that very same day, the Bible says, that Pharaoh sent this order to the taskmasters and to the officers that he had sent over the people of Israel not to give them any more straw for making bricks. He's going to pull out one of the main components of making bricks. But don't reduce their production quota by a single brick. Because he said, obviously, they don't have enough to do or else they wouldn't have time to be talking about going into the wilderness and sacrificing to their God. So he says, load them down with extra work. Make them sweat. Sometimes we feel like the enemy is making us sweat, don't we? Right. They'll teach them, they said, to listen to Moses and Aaron's lies. The Bible says, so these taskmasters and these officers inform the people. Pharaoh has given orders to not give you any more straw. You go out and find it anywhere you can. Just do the best you can. But here's the deal. You've got to produce just as many bricks as you were producing before when we were giving you straw. And so we read here that the people were scattered everywhere, trying to gather straw. And actually, the Bible said stubble to make these bricks. The load, as they knew it, had just gotten heavier. See, Moses' demand for freedom here, in this account in the Bible, when he demands for freedom, he says, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go. His demand for freedom is met with an order from Pharaoh for even harsher, even more brutal treatment of the Hebrew slaves. And I don't have time to get into all of this this morning, but just for a minute, can I tell you that one of the things that I have learned about deliverance is that often the darkness gets darker right before we get delivered. Can anybody say amen this morning? You know why that is? The reason for that is this, church. The enemy likes to test your resolve. He likes to test your determination. The enemy is not willing to give up his slaves easily. The enemy won't just joyfully give anybody up and release them and and turn them back over to you. So I want to tell you this morning, let me encourage you. If you've been trying to get to that place of deliverance and the chains seem tighter, or if the bars seem stronger, or if the dungeon seems to have darkened, or if the fire seems to be hotter, can I encourage you this morning just to grab hold of God with all you've got and hold on because your deliverer is about to bring deliverance. Say amen, somebody. When it gets tougher and hotter and harder, hold on. The answer is on the way. But here's what you got to do. you got to keep fighting. Mm Mm-hmm what does the word say? It says, he that endures to the end shall be saved. It's not about those that just start the race. How many knows it's about those that finish the race? Sometimes in this life, you're going to have to keep fighting. You're going to have to keep hoping. You're going to have to keep believing. Oh, I know what the doctor's report says, or I know what the bank account says, or I know what the situation says, but I also know what the Word of God says. So I'm going to remind myself what the Word of God says, and I'm going to keep believing in the Word of God because every word, every promise in this book is truth. If God said it, God will keep His promise to me. I'm going to keep believing. See, Your freedom is approaching if, everybody say if, if you don't quit now. See, finally, after ten plagues, and I know some of you have been like me and you saw on social media with with COVID-19 and and the murder hornets and all the other crazy stuff that's gone on. Have you seen those posts that say, when are we going to realize we're going through ten plagues? What's next? Right? I don't know if we're going through ten plagues or not, but I want you to think about these ten plagues of Egypt. We think we've had it tough. We ain't seen nothing. There were ten plagues in Egypt, and the last of the plague, what culminated with the death of the firstborn of every child in Egypt. Think about that. Every firstborn child had to die. And this plague was actually sent by God. Think about that. It was sent by God against Pharaoh, and it causes him to relent as a dictator. He finally decides he's going to release the Hebrews. And once again, the Pharaoh changes his mind, and he gives pursuit, and he's ultimately, everybody knows the story, he's swallowed up in the waters of the Red Sea. After he releases them and says they can go, then he goes chasing Right back on their heels. Isn't that exactly what the devil does when he first releases his hold on somebody that accepts Christ, or maybe somebody that gets delivered deliverance from a bondage? He releases the hold, and then just as soon as you can turn around, he's right back on their heels, chasing them again, trying to pull them back into bondage. But when you keep believing, when you keep holding on, when you keep trusting, they may be you may find Pharaoh and his army at your heels, and there may be a impossible sea or a sea of impossible. In front of you But when you keep holding on When you keep praying When you keep believing When you keep going to church When you keep paying your tithes When you keep living right When you keep trusting in the word of God God will step on the scene And part the waters And swallow your enemy up right behind you So Pharaoh relinquishes his control But then he decides he's going to get back on their heels And he follows them to the Red Sea and today, here's what we're going to talk about. Those slaves who had been slaves in Egypt were led to the Red Sea, and God parted the waters, and miraculously they crossed over on dry ground, the Bible said. Everybody knows that story. And then Pharaoh and his army was swallowed up in the Red Sea, and so now they're free. They're completely free. The people who had been in bondage for 430 years are now experiencing freedom. The ones who had longed for freedom, cried out for freedom, pleaded for freedom, dreamed of freedom, now they find themselves unchained. And it was as free men, I want you to hear me this morning, it was as free men that they had to face the hardest of their deliverance dilemmas yet. It's found in the book of Numbers chapter 11 verses 4 through 6, let's go there. The word said then the foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave the good things crave the good things of Egypt and the people of Israel also began to complain oh for some meat they exclaimed oh we remember we remember the fish that we used to eat in Egypt uh, and it was it was free and we had All the cucumbers, all of the melons, all the leeks, the onions, and the garlic that we wanted. But now, he said, our appetites are gone. All we ever see is this manna. So, then the Egyptians who had come with them began to long for the good things of Egypt. Isn't that just like the church sometimes? We get free and then we become chronic complainers. Hello, somebody. Y'all may not help me preach this morning. That's all right. I'm going to preach it anyway. We are the people of God. We're the ones that are free from, from the things of this world. We're the ones that should be the ones that are not bound uh, in a lot of worldly things. We're walking in freedom because we're walking in Jesus Christ. But we gotta we got to find things to complain about while we're walking in that freedom. Oh, I, I don't like it. When they sing all those new songs why can't they sing the the old songs I don't I don't like it when they dim the lights in the sanctuary why don't they I like the lights on full why do they have to sing off the wall all the time can't we sing out the red back hymnal why do they have to dress like that can't they what happened to suits and ties and long dresses and why 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 we got to complain and complain and complain can I tell you something this morning you may not help me preach but we need to stop being complainers in the church of God I'm not just talking about this church I'm talking about the church we need to be thankful that God has set us free We, I don't care if they sing off the wall or out of the red back hymnal I don't care if they sing the old songs or the new songs I don't care what they wear as long as they're decent I don't care if the lights are up or the lights are down what I care about is when the bound walk through the doors do they experience freedom that's only found in Jesus Christ and so these Egyptians Began to long for the good things in Egypt. Let me tell you why. By the way, everybody that you, not everybody that you were in bondage with is good company and freedom. Not everybody that you were in company with in bondage is good company and freedom. See, that's because they may be comfortable with you as a slave, but they're not so comfortable with you as a soldier. They may be comfortable with you as a warrior, but they ain't comfortable when you become a warrior. They may be comfortable with you in your darkness, but now that you're walking in the light, they're not so comfortable anymore with what that light is revealing in them. Because when you get delivered, when God changes your life, He'll take a warrior and He'll make a warrior. He'll take a slave and He'll make a soldier. He'll take somebody that was walking in darkness and put them in the light. You've got to realize everybody that you kept company with in bondage is not such good company in freedom. And so this added to the discontent of the people in Israel and they wept, the Bible said. They were weeping. They were actually crying over it. And they said things like, oh, for a few bites of meat. Oh, that we had some of that delicious fish that we enjoyed in Egypt. Now, we're talking about Egypt where they slaved in the hot sun all day long where they had been taken, their part of their components for the brick, the straw had been taken away, and they had to scatter, and they had to search through stubble and everything they could find to find some straw. Their quota did not get reduced, but yet they weren't given all of the ingredients, slaving in the hot sun, being beaten by slave drivers, and those same people are sitting talking about, I remember the free fish in Egypt. And they begin to talk about the wonderful cucumbers and this always kind of puzzled me. I was good with the cucumbers and the melons. But I got to the leeks, onions, and garlic, and they can keep all that in Egypt, all right? But they said, we had all that wonderful stuff, but, but now our strength is gone. And day after day after day, we got, we, got to fa- we got to deal with this manna. we got to face this manna. See, I want to tell you something. Deliverance will force you to deal with your spiritual diet one of the most difficult things that we will face as we walk toward deliverance is our spiritual diet. So you can you can visit freedom, but you can't stay there if you don't deal with your spiritual diet. What am I saying, pastor? Are you are you railing against donuts, cakes, or caffeine or chicken biscuits? No. I shared with them at 8:45 this morning. Everybody knows that Angie and I've been dieting since January of this year and and here lately we've been working on the house and stuff a lot and late and so we've kind of gotten off plan and stuff and and I'm trying to get back on plan and stay on plan but I got up to study yesterday morning and I was like, man, a big old chicken biscuit from McDonald's sounds really good. I shouldn't eat that but it sounds really good. So I said something about it and, and she was like, I'll go get us one. So she went and got us a chicken biscuit and I was sitting there studying on the couch and this house that we're renting is downtown Corbin on Atkins Street and yesterday was Corbin's first half marathon and part of the route was right by our house so I'm sitting there eating something I know I shouldn't be eating and man it was good indulging in it and then runners I got this big picture window in that living room of the house we're renting and runners just begin to go by and I saw a few guys running by and I thought man I bet he wouldn't eat this biscuit. It didn't stop me, though. I ate my biscuit. But I began to think about, if you want to, just like if you want to achieve physical fitness, there's some sacrifices you've got to make. If you want to achieve spiritual fitness and full deliverance, there's some appetite changes you've got to make. So, what I'm saying is, Is that in order to be free and remain free? Church, there's a difference in just getting free, but we need to remain free. In order to be free and remain free, we got to get our spiritual appetites to change. And the Apostle Paul addressed this need for change in Galatians when he says, in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 24, here's what he said Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and the desires of their sinful nature to the cross. And they've crucified them there. They've nailed their passions and the desires of their sinful nature. They've taken them and nailed them to the cross and crucified them there. In other words, they have killed their old desires. They've nailed them to the cross. Their desires have changed. They're making a spiritual change Diet change, if you will. And then he then compares the bound with the free. I want you to notice what he says, and I love this, when he's preaching at the church at Philippi. He says in Philippians chapter 3, verses 18 and 19, he said, For I've told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes. That's when you preach the truth in love. Here's Watch what he says, though. That there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies. Of the cross of Christ They are headed for destruction Their God is their appetite They brag about shameful things And they think only about life here on this earth I read that passage of scripture and I began to think If you know me, you know full well that nothing pleases me any more Than a house full of worshipers worshipping God Nothing pleases me anymore in this life. Nothing brings me any more pleasure than seeing people pour in to the house of God to worship Him, to see altars that are full of people praying and seeking the face of God. Nothing pleases me anymore. And so I began to think about that, and I thought I can see sometimes how that some preachers begin to shy away from preaching the truth of the gospel because we live in a day and an age that if you offend people, they just won't come back because That everybody else has made it so easy that they don't hear this kind of preaching anymore. But then I read in this word where the Apostle Paul stood and he said, For I've told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many among you, can I tell you there are many in the church today, whose conduct shows that they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. Where are the preachers that will stand in the pulpits and say, If you don't change your life. You're headed for destruction. Where are the preachers standing in pulpits today that'll say your God is your appetite. You're bragging about shameful things because we live in a day and a time where people aren't even ashamed of sin anymore. My God, we come into the house of God and we act like we've got it all together. Then we get on social media and we brag about things we ought to be ashamed of because it's a mockery to the cause of Christ. And the gospel of Jesus Christ We need some preachers that will preach You're headed for destruction You need to change your appetite Not everybody that says Lord, Lord is going to enter the kingdom of heaven Where are those preachers today? And then they think only about this life Here on this earth That's what he said at the end of verse 19 They think only about their life Here on this earth, how many times do you sit through a church service for an hour or an hour and a half only to leave? And before you ever get to the door, you're already thinking about the job, the class, the practice, the next thing you got to get to. Sometimes before the preaching's even over, you find yourself scrolling through your phone, what do I got to do tomorrow? making you to-do list. And when we think some way, somehow, I don't know where we get it that that our lives are are about this world. This world is not our home. Our lives are not about this world. The next world where we're trying to get to, that's what this life is all about. And we think an hour, an hour and a half a week is going to get it. But no, God's looking for a church that's sold out. God's looking for a people that are the same when their feet hit the floor on Monday morning as they are when they're worshiping and praising on Sunday morning. God's looking for some people that are walking in freedom because the church will never get the world free till we get free in the church. I said the church will never get the world free till we get freedom in the church. So did you catch what he said though? Let me back up and just say this. I love what he says. He says their God is their appetite. The difference between being free and bound is your appetite. He says, they brag about shameful things. They only think about life here on this earth. See, the key to staying delivered is that our appetite's got to change. Our desire for comfort. Our desire for normal. Our desire for acceptance. Because everybody wants to be accepted, don't they? Our desire for our rights. And I believe in equal rights. Everybody ought to have equal rights. Our desire for our own way, but our, our diet, our appetite, or our desire for these things, will sometimes march delivered folks right back into bondage I want you to think about it do we have a newborn baby here today? anybody got a newborn? no newborns you wouldn't trust me with it if you had it anyway it's been a long time for me but anyway think about it, a newborn baby babies can't feed themselves, can they? But did you ever notice that eating is not something that we have to be taught? It's natural. What happens if you don't feed a baby? It cries. What happens to some of you if you don't get fed? You cry. But anyway, that's because it's natural. It's born within us. But here's what we have to teach that child. We don't have to teach that child to eat. They know to eat. They know when they get hungry to eat. But here's what we have to teach that child. We have to teach that child about diet and nutrition. Because the truth is, we will eat something, and because we have come out of slavery, sometimes our diet and our desires are not good for us. Sometimes our diet and our desires are not good for us. We've got to manage our diet for our own health. So we're all self-feeders. If we're grown or even, even children, become self-feeders very quickly. The question is... What is it you desire to eat spiritually? Some people say, oh, instructions are overrated. Bless God, that that preacher ain't going to tell me what to do. Instructions are overrated. Everybody's telling us what to do. Listen, I get that. However, what we miss is that many times desire is also underrated. Did you hear me? What you feed yourself will determine whether or not you can stay free. Now, I know I'm getting to the place where probably a lot of people aren't going to help me, but I'm just going to preach it anyway. And I want you to know I'm not speaking this from any kind of situation that I know I'm, I, but I, our student pastors can probably echo this we 've not talked about it, but i 'm sure they can echo this because I was a student pastor for many years, and I remember it 's funny to me that many adults will want the youth pastors to be the ones who are hard on the students about what they should and should not consume, like music, movies, video games, and relationships. They want the youth pastors to take care of all of that, but many 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 times and a lot of times most of the time. The parents aren't teaching it themselves at home. Somebody helped the pastor this morning. They want the youth pastors to be the one that hammer them hard, but they're not teaching it at home. They want to be their best friend instead of their parent. I want to tell you something this morning. God did not give you that child so that it could be your best friend or your best buddy. God gave you that child so that you would train it up. And what happens in training? Do I have any athletes? Yeah, I do. I got some football players from Cumberland this morning from UC in. The audience. What happens when you train? You got to put some work in, don't you? You got to have some discipline. You got a coach that's telling you what to do, and when you do it wrong, they correct you and they tell you how to do it right. And then they tell you what you what kind of regimen you got to do, and they tell you what kind of exercise uh, routine you've got to do. That you got to put the work in, and that's exactly what God gave you a child for. You're supposed to put the work. Well, you may not help me. You're supposed to put the work in at home. You're supposed to do the training. At home, let the youth pastor be a good friend that preaches the truth. Let the youth pastor be... Oh, you ain't going to help me, are you? Let the youth pastor be a best buddy. Let them love to be around the youth pastor. But you do your part and train them up at home. Better yet, sometimes, the parents are not even the best example. They think that because they're grown up... But they can handle it. They can handle watching that filth they shouldn't watch. Oh, get real quiet now. They can handle listening to that stuff they shouldn't listen to. They can handle it all right. They handle it right back into their own bondage and slavery. My mama used to say it this way. Garbage in, garbage out. That's exactly right. Our diet sometimes keeps us from being fully free. And I want to tell you. If you want to be fully free, it's time that your desires, your wants, and your diet is laid on the cross. And you crucify those things. If you don't crucify your diet, you'll develop. I'm looking around. I see some medical professionals. There's Susan Rose. Good to see her back today. Any other nurses or nurse practitioners? Amanda was in the first service. Anyway. I guess Amanda's back there. No, that's Elizabeth. But anyway, we got all kinds of people. Angie's trying to tell me somebody's name. We got medical professionals in the house. But I'm making up up names, okay, if that's all right. I'm making up diagnoses. Here's what we're going to develop. If we don't crucify our diet, we'll develop appetite amnesia. We're going to talk about that, and then I'm going to close. See, you can tell when people are struggling with their spiritual diet because they remember the bondage better than it actually was. You can tell when they're struggling with their spiritual diet because they remember the bondage better than it actually was. Notice what the people begin to say. They said, oh, for a few bites of meat. Oh, that we had some of the delicious fish that we enjoyed so much in Egypt and the wonderful cucumbers and melons and leeks and onions and garlic. They're literally wanting to trade their freedom. The same children of Israel that had been slaves in Egypt are wanting to trade that freedom for some fruits and veggies. Think about it. They have totally forgotten the harshness of those slave drivers who whipped them with whips as they worked them like animals. They have overlooked the stripes on the back of the person marching in front of them that was placed there by those Egyptian whips. They have developed appetite amnesia. It wasn't as good as they chose to remember it. Why are you talking about that, Pastor? Here's why I'm talking about it. I think some people are on the verge of freedom, but they may also be suffering from appetite amnesia. Because they long for things and people that will keep them enslaved. They long for things and people that will keep them enslaved. See, you, you remember the relationship from the lens of loneliness. And when you do, you forget the pain. For those of you that came out of toxic relationships, sometimes you forget the lying, You forget the tears. You forget the cheating. You forget the lack of blessing because you're choosing to ignore God's plan. God already set you free from that. Don't go back to it. And listen, I made up my mind when I was going to preach this message. I'm going to lay it on the line for you. We have children's church going on, so if you have small kids, that's where they should be. But I don't. I, you're going to say, Pastor, that's too plain. I don't know how else to put it, but get it plain in the church today. We have people that say, I want to be free, but I want somebody in my bed worse. Hmm. Oh, yeah, we used to preach about it. Brother Benny used to preach about it all the time. He was the only person that I knew that could give fornication more than four syllables. He gave it five. When he would say the word, he gave it five syllables. We used to preach about it. We used to talk about it being wrong. Oh, but now, today, you probably ain't going to help me. That's okay. I'll just look down. But now, today, we've got it to the place to where people are living in fornication, living in sin. Matter of fact, they just got out of bed this morning with somebody who's not their spouse, and they come to the house of God. They do their patty cake. They raise their hands, and there's nobody standing in the pulpit to tell them fornicators are some of those that are mentioned that shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That's one of the sins that's mentioned. I know what your desires are. That's good. You ought to have those desires and I pray to God you have them for the opposite sex. Hello, somebody. But you need to bring that appetite under control. You need to get that appetite and that desire under control and you need to learn the Word of God says that will not end in you say pastor you're hard I may be hard but I'm hard because I love you too much to let you go to hell thinking you're on your way to heaven yeah. through the lens of comfort you remember that workplace and you for conveniently forget all the stress all the sleepless nights And the desire to quit. I've been in banking for like 25, almost 26 years now. And I got out of banking for like five and a half months. I remember exactly how long it was. To sell life insurance. I made great money doing that. It was the most miserable I have ever been in my life. I would lay awake at night and think, who am I going to talk to tomorrow? Who am I going to sell to tomorrow? What am I going to do when the sales run out? We got a baby on the way. Angie was pregnant with Abby. What am I going to do? Oh, my God. I would worry myself sick. And finally, and not to mention, listen, if this is where some of your roots are, that's fine. I'm not, I'm not, not having any problems with your old stomping grounds or your home place. But my insurance debit that I had, which is your book of business, was in Clay County. I went into some houses that I sat in my truck and prayed before I went in. God, even if I don't sell insurance, please let me come out alive. I went into some places that scared me to death. Listen, you know you're in a drug house when you go sell some life insurance and they want to pay the premium in full and they go pull $20,000 out of a coffee can. You're like, Lord Jesus, get me out of here. When you're looking at the house and everything around it's falling apart, I'm getting too much into that. But anyway, what happened was... I was driving down the parkway one day and I prayed and I said an honest, simple prayer. I said, God, if you will get me out of this, I promise I'll never get back into this again. I prayed that prayer because many times what people do is they get delivered out of that and they forget about all that stress and what they remember is how good that money was or how something else, some other perk that it had. They forget about all that stuff and what happened was I come home from work one day there was a message from the president of Tri-County National Bank on the phone. He wanted me to return his call, and I got so happy and so excited. he said, why are you so happy and excited? I said, because he either wants two things, one of two things. He either wants to buy life insurance from me, or he wants to offer me a job. And either way, it's a sale. Thank you, Jesus. And that's what he did. He offered me a job, and I let the life insurance license go back, and I kept my promise to the Lord. But many times, people forget about all the stress that they had, and all they can remember is the money or the benefits, or the different stuff, through the lens of familiarity. For those of you that were partiers, I was never really a partier. But that's okay. The Lord delivered you from that. But you remember the parties. You remember the late night. You remember the scene, as they call it, only to forget the shame, forget the misery, forget the hangover, and forget the waste of time and money that you spent. Sometimes we want to, uh, what we used to have when we were bound, Sometimes we want what we used to have when we were bound. I want to be free, the addict says, but, oh, wait a minute, I want to be high too. I want to be free, but I want to go where I used to go. I want to, uh, I want to have financial freedom, but, oh, oh, that's nice. I think I need that. I'm going to buy that. Ain't that what we do? That's exactly what we do. We long for the diet. We forget the destruction. We long for the taste, but we forget the terror that that brought us. We long for the flavor and forget the fear. We long for those things that will actually lead us right back to bondage. We can tell when we have appetite amnesia because this is the last thing I'm going to talk about and then I'm going to close. Because we'll actually despise the provision of God. talked about the children of God becoming complainers. And as the Israelites are complaining about what they don't have, they also begin to complain about what they did have. And the provision from God. They said, we're tired of this manna that you give us. Now keep in mind, God was providing food for them daily out of the heavens. They didn't have to do anything for it. He just rained it down. But we're tired of it. Tired of this manna. We don't want any more of this manna. Oh, oh, no, we don't have to slave for it. We don't have to work for it. We don't have to buy it. We don't have to do anything, but we're tired of it. Oh, I could preach a whole message in the church today. Uh-huh. I could preach a whole message. It's normally the people who don't do anything or have to do anything or don't give anything or don't oh you ain't gonna help me. But those are the people that are saying, I'm tired of this. I don't want to do it like that. Why do they have to do it like why she have to say that? Why is it why 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 why? That's what we do. That's exactly what, you all have got me tickled. That's exactly what the children of Israel were doing. We don't have to do a thing. We're tired of it. I want to tell you something. A surefire sign that you have a spiritual diet issue is that you'll begin to despise angel food. I said that in the first service, and Renata said, I'll have you know I love angel food cake. But you despise the provision. God has given. Can anybody this morning say God's been good? God's provided. If somebody started to clap. You ought to go ahead and praise him. God's been good. You can always tell that somebody. Is having a, a time with their spiritual diet. When you remind them of what God has already done. But all they can see is what they don't have yet. They. We'll overlook and we'll exhibit no thankfulness. And next week I'm going to talk about thankfulness. But they'll exhibit no thankfulness for the provision that God's already made in their lives. They'll overlook the new friends. The good friends. The godly friends. They'll overlook the new job. We'll overlook the restful night. When we laid our heads on our pillows and just said, thank you, Lord, and drifted off to sleep. We'll overlook the small amount in our savings because no amount's ever enough. So we're not thankful for the small amount we have. We'll overlook the clear mind. You know, one of the most priceless commodities you'll ever have is a clear conscience. And a clear mind. And a clear heart. We'll overlook the lack of stress. As they come to the music. I look around the room this morning. And I I see people. That I see the goodness of God. in what God has done. In their lives. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Be thankful for it. Even people that have gone through bad things, and all of us have gone through hard, difficult things. But through some of those things, I can still see the goodness of the hand of God. I look around this room and I see some people that have recovered from COVID-19 who weren't in the hospital. see some people who had a difficult time, but they weren't in the hospital. They weren't on a ventilator. We weren't having to plead and beg God for their life. Now listen, none of us are better than any others, and there's plenty of people. The pastor at Corbin Parkway Church of God is in ICU right now. I am absolutely no better than him. He's my district overseer, and he's a mighty man of God. I am no better than he is. It could have been your pastor in ICU right now, possibly facing a ventilator. But I see the goodness of God. I look around and I see people that have gone through hard things but the goodness of God. I look this morning and I see people who have been out of church for many, many years, but some way, somehow, the goodness of God drew them into the house of God. I look around the room and I I see people like, and I don't want to embarrass anybody, I recognize some in the first service, but I see people like Eric and Flora McFadden who after years of not attending church or serving the Lord, that they walked into a place of freedom, and God turned their lives around. Eric, who went through a heart attack, a massive heart attack, but you know what the goodness of God was? Somebody in that hospital prayed the prayer of salvation with him, and he gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ, and they're some of the most faithful, dedicated members of this church. through the bad, we can see the goodness and the faithfulness of God. Hallelujah. What I'm trying to say, church, is if you want to remain free, you got to open your eyes and take account of the manna that you've been given. The goodness of God. We need to be mindful of that and thankful of that. So I'm going to close with this. Pastor, how do we deal with this component of deliverance? It is, it is a vital component of of deliverance, Because if we, if our spiritual diet is not right And the church is not walking in freedom We will never get them walking in freedom So how do we deal with this component of deliverance And here's what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verses 24 through 27 Here's what he says Don't you realize in a race that everybody runs But only one person gets the prize So run to win I'm thankful for the saints of God that have gone on before that I have seen their testimony that they were running to win. All athletes, he said, are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every single step. I'm not just shadow boxing, he says. I discipline my body like an athlete Training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I might myself be disqualified what's he saying pastor he's saying that if we desire to be free and to stay free we got to deal with our spiritual diet we got to deal with our appetite we got to deal with our ability to discipline ourselves and not to develop spiritual amnesia where we'll make what actually was bondage sound like freedom we got to open our eyes and look around at the goodness of what God has done and it's time for us to discipline yes I'm using that word discipline ourselves again and deal with our diet. What do you do when you fast? It's a spiritual discipline. You're bringing your body under subjection so that you can cry out for the things that you need God to do, the spiritual things that you need God to do. We need to assess our appetites because our destiny will be determined by our diet and how disciplined we are. we got to be hungrier for Him and His way than we are for ours. The Apostle Paul said, After I've experienced that freedom Here's what I want to encourage you to do this morning He says I run every step With purpose See, some of you think that what you do is insignificant And I didn't say this in the 845 service But I just felt the Lord drop this into my spirit Sometimes you feel like what you do Is insignificant No, it's not insignificant You're an important, vital part of the kingdom of God What you need to do is run your race with every step, with purpose and determination. God, I just want to live for you. God, I just want to be a light for you. God, I don't care if they ever know what my name is. All I care about is that when they see me, they see you. God, I'm going to keep going. I'm running with purpose because I'm going to win this race. I'm going to gain the prize. I'm going to have eternity in heaven. I'm going with the saints that have gone on before. God, I'm running with purpose. Help me take this one with me. Help me take that one with me. God, there's somebody else I can send out of the flames of hell. God, help me run with, whoo, I feel the Lord this morning. Help me run with purpose and snatch them out of the flames of hell. Because when the church gets free, we'll get the world around us delivered. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet all over this room. Give the Lord some praise. Hallelujah. 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 Aren't you weary of the bondage? Aren't you tired of walking in the bondage when I have marched you into freedom? Why would you return to the land from which I delivered you out of once before? Why would you look back when I'm telling you to press forward? I have called you. You are mine. I have called you name. I have given you a purpose. I have given you a destiny. But I have also given you an assignment. And that assignment is that you walk in freedom so that you lead others to the freedom that you have enjoyed. Do not turn again to the bondage. Do not remember the things of the past and wish that you could return to them. But rather recognize my provision. Recognize what I have done. Give me glory for what I have done in your life and run every step with purpose because I say to you this day, time is getting short. I'm telling you, make your calling and election sure. Make sure that you are ready, that your family is ready. For there will come a day when I will split the eastern skies and I will call. My people unto me saith the Lord Be ready Be ready And look up For your redemption Draweth nigh saith the Lord Lift your hands all over this room Father we thank you We thank you for your word to your people today Thank you Jesus For your word to your people This day i got some questions to ask you this morning with nobody looking around and they're going to sing in just a moment. But are you still living in bondage? Or have you marched into freedom yet? If you're sitting here today, don't stay at that seat knowing that you're still in bondage. When God says, I'm ready to reach down and take you by the hand. Woo! Hallelujah. To reach down and take you by the hand and march you into freedom. Don't live in bondage anymore. In just a few moments, this altar is going to be open. I encourage you, slip on a mask and come. Get one of these masks that we have on each side of the altar and come. And see if God won't set you free. But church, I also ask you today with nobody looking around. What are you hungry for that will put you back in bondage? What desires do you have that are jeopardizing your deliverance? What are you remembering and glorifying that'll send you back to the bondage God's brought you out of? But also what gift or gifts from God are you overlooking? Do you want deliverance bad enough to check your appetite? Do you want it bad enough to change your spiritual diet? Oh, there's a way to deliverance, church. There's a way to deliverance. But the question is, how bad do you want it? This altar's open As they sing. If you don't want to come to the altar, I encourage you to pray where you are.